Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. I am your host with the most, Chris. I got a big announcement to make in the podcast right now, and we're also going to go into a lot of crazy topics that are going on right now and something new that I'm going to be doing for the podcast. So let's get started. So first, I want to take this time to introduce someone. I want to introduce our newest sponsor, for the podcast that is right if you guys have seen my video on either instagram tiktok facebook or twitter you guys saw that i have just announced that we have a new sponsor to the to the podcast and that is one guy from italy on university they are a local lubbock restaurant they are parked right next to texas tech university it's an awesome spot to get some food they have some of the best food in town in my opinion their calzones are just absolutely to die for and cool fact they have been voted to have the best calzone in texas so thank you guys for being our first official sponsor of the podcast they gave me this cool teenage mutant ninja turtle box they did for a convention last year it's very awesome if you guys are listening to this on spotify or amazon music it's the ninja turtles on there with the one guy logo if you guys are seeing this here it is it's awesome thank you guys for being the first ever sponsor and welcome to the podcast now going on to some more things uh today there's a lot of topics we got to cover First up, so I took a poll on Twitter and on TikTok and everywhere on my social media earlier this weekend, and as you guys know, the XFL season has begun. It's in full swing right after Super Bowl, so you don't have to miss out on any more football for the rest of the spring. Now, I did ask if you guys would like me to cover the XFL, kind of like what I did like with the NFL, you know, covered the games, the stats, what I thought about it, you know, things of that nature, and I did get some yeses on Twitter. I got some yeses on uh, TikTok and other and Instagram and everything else. So I have officially decided that we will be going in depth about the XFL coming up in the next episode. Um, next week, you check it out. We will be doing like more in depth about the games just because I wasn't able to catch uh, most of them or I was only able to watch the highlights. I like to personally watch the game because I believe you get more insight and you also kind of develop. And that's where I feel like you develop more of your opinion is if you sit there and watch the game. Obviously, if you watch the highlights, you're going to only watch the good things out of both teams. You're not going to see where the negatives were, what the positives were and, you know, things of that nature. So that's kind of how I kind of go about watching the games if any of you were ever curious about how I watch the games and where I kind of come up with my opinions or what I think about them it's because I sit there and I thoroughly watch the games so I'm going to be doing that for the XFL for the remainder of their season so stick around for that one if you're a big fan of the XFL you know buckle up because I'm very excited it sounds like a lot of fun and to kind of pinpoint what I saw in some of the games and kind of like what they're doing it's very it's very unique and what I mean by that is, like, it's very different from the NFL. Like, you can tell that's not the NFL. And not because of the only eight teams playing, not because of the crazy unique jerseys that they got going on or anything of that nature. It's because of what they're doing. And I believe Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he's done an excellent job revamping this organization. And it's it, it's it got, it got a lot of good ratings after opening week. So, very excited. I know it was the San Antonio... Uh, Ramas, I believe is how you pronounce their name. They had an excellent turnout. I believe they just announced this past weekend that they will be hosting the XFL Championship in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. So that's also very exciting. So if you are an XFL fan or if you live in San Antonio, congratulations. You guys just got the championship game. So applause to y'all. And so some things I did notice that were De definitely different and unique was the rules some of the rules are very different compared to what the nfl how the nfl kind of runs their game 
For example, one of the rules is only one tap on your foot. So kind of like how college rules apply when you're a wide receiver trying to catch the football. That I mean, that kind of makes things, I believe, a little bit more easier for the wide receivers. Obviously, when you're in the NFL, you got to get two feet down. And it does make it more challenging, I will admit that. But having the one foot, you know, kind of balances it out instead of trying to have two feet and it's a good way for you to practice getting two feet down so i thought that was one of the most one of the interesting rules another interesting rule that's different was the kick one of the things that caught my eye in the beginning was kickoff so and traditionally in the nfl obviously we saw the kicking team lines up around the 35 yard line the kickoff they have to run downfield and go go tackle the returner and obviously the formation is very different in the xfl it's not that so what they do is i believe the kicker still on the 35 yard line they kick off but the kickoff team and the kick return team are lined up five yards apart from each other, and they and the kicking team can only go after the kick re, the kick returner catches the ball, or I believe it's like three seconds um, after the ball touches the ground they can go. It if I'm incorrect on that, please someone correct me on uh, correct me. But I still think that's very interesting. It's definitely a different way to do kickoff. And in my opinion, a little bit of a safer way because in the NFL, uh, they took away the running start. Obviously, you can't take a, you know, or they do sort of a running start, but they don't like do it. You know, they're not super far like away from the kick or they take it away because it's to prevent more injuries. And I think this is a little bit more of a protective way because you have to only run five yards and your opponent is lined up five yards in front of you. So there's always so much impact that will go on to that. You can't really blow them up unless you have you know, just a lot of a, a big weight advantage over your opponent. So I think that's definitely a cool way to do kickoff now. It's definitely unique. It definitely makes the XFL stand out from the USFL and, you know, the NFL, the Canadian Football League. I think that's very unique. And it's also very safe, in my opinion, because it limits, you know, the full speed, you know, ramming into each other. And, you know, it kind of, in my opinion, from what I saw, it has to make the you have to be careful on who you put a kick returner because they have to be elusive because it's not as simple as I have people in the back, you know, way in the back with me trying to protect me. It's, you know, everyone's right there. I got to get around or those blocks have to be good enough to make the hole for me to punch it through. So the XFL definitely has that going and I, that's very interesting and it's very exciting to see and it's definitely different and sometimes it is uh, good to have a little different set of eyes and definitely be open-minded to these changes now next rule change is extra points so they took away the extra point kicking so you don't have to kick an extra point anymore in the xfl they give you three options you line up i believe on the two yard line you can uh for that option you only get one extra point if you're at the five yard line you can get two extra points and if you're lined up at the 10 yard line you can get three extra points and i think that's a cool way to kind of if you're in that situation of i gotta play catch up you know, I believe it. I, f I forgot which one of the games it was, but it was the one where AJ McCarron was on the Battle Hawks, where they were down and they came back because of these new rules. They scored a touchdown and then they scored three points to you know get back into the game. So it definitely makes the games more intense because you know it's not as simple as okay, I have to go for two. I gotta get the onside kick. Now you have an option to at least score a total of nine points in one drive like that's very possible so if you're down by nine you're not you know you're not out of the game and if you're leading by nine you're not safe in the xfl which i think is very creative in my opinion especially like if you kind of run an offense like how sirianni runs it with the eagles with that weird push thing that they do with jalen hurts that you know that makes that makes the whole game interesting and 
on top of it, I believe it challenges the offense a little bit more because they have to be, you know, creative and they have to be able to break the defense. And, you know, going on with that, you have to be very strategic in how you're going to score points. You can't just, you know, I score one touchdown. Let's just, you know, score the one extra point, one extra point. Now teams are going to have to be, you know, a little bit more strategic in how they're going to want to do it, especially probably later in the season when, you know, you could tell which offense is definitely the most more elevated compared to the others. And you're the opposing team. You know you're going to be in a shootout. You got to make sure you're in the lead. So I definitely think that it's going to make the game more intense going into the future. And it's going to be fun to watch. And I believe it brings more, you know, more interest into the game. It, you know, definitely strives to be unique. Definitely key word here is uniqueness. And that's what the NFL is, or the XFL, I apologize, is striving for. And next up, uh, different rule changes is onside kicks. I believe if you're tired trailing, if you're one of the team, if you're a team, if your opposing team is trailing or tied, instead of going for an onside kick, what you can do is go for it on fourth, fourth and fifteen. And if you convert the if you convert the fourth and fifteen, you get the ball at your own twenty-five yard line, and you can book it down the field. And I think that's awesome because if you've seen in the NFL, the off, the onside kick, it's very hard to recover. I believe it's like about 70 to 80 percent, uh, probably close to 90 percent of the time, the onside, the hands team uh, that's re- that's receiving the ball, most times they get it. And it's very hard to recover an onside kick. You know, we've seen it. I mean, maybe like a couple teams have been able to, you know, recover a lot. I believe it was the Indianapolis Colts whenever uh, Pat McAfee was still there. You know, he was just somehow really good at kicking on, you know, just kicking in general. And he was really good at getting onside kicks. And they were kind of like one of the better teams at it. So aside of that, like it's very hard. The kickers have to get creative on how they're going to do the onside kick. I remember in 2020, I believe the Cowboys with Greg Zerline, he would do like that weird watermelon kick so that way like it spin it's really it, it was really weird and it was definitely you had to get creative to get the ball back in this scenario you can get the ball back as long as you convert fourth and 15 and i think fourth and 15 is a kind of a good it's a good distance because if you you know if you do it from fourth and 10 you know it's kind of like not as, i believe it's like not as fair because they just scored and whatnot and also it gives the defense an absolute shot at possibly getting the ball back because we have to keep in mind that you know they're they're the return team they're supposed to get the ball back so if you put them at fourth and 15 and they don't get it it's essentially the same as them kicking the ball off so i think that was definitely a great way to incorporate that rule and i think the nfl should look into that to be honest because that's actually pretty cool that takes away the basically automatic chance that the uh, hands team or the receiving team is gonna get the ball you know and it's definitely like kind of an alternative you know to that so that way it can make the game more interesting it could definitely challenge the players in my opinion because obviously the coaching staff has to be smart and they have to have a designed play but if you're like you know Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen Joe Burrow whoever you know you got you know it's gonna it's gonna put you at that moment if you're if you're good if you're great you know get the onside and let's get the ball and let's move and you know on top of that it's going to it's definitely going to challenge the like I said the defense because you know you're you're more than likely going to get the ball back that's kind of the whole point of it but you got to make that stop especially if they just scored on you this is your chance to make sure they don't score again and that's definitely a you know kind of to spark that competitive edge between all the players and that's very exciting so from here on out like I said 
earlier, I will be talking about the XFL, kind of like how I did in the NFL. I know mostly in this podcast, I talk more about NFL stuff and a little bit of things that are going on uh, in the sports world. So we will be discussing the XFL, kind of how I did with the NFL, watching the games and, and stuff like that. And I won't be talking about any of the games this week just because I didn't get to watch them like you know, full on, I kind of just saw the highlights to kind of see, you know, if I wanted to cover the XFL or not, but I left it all up to you guys. You guys voted yes. So next episode, we will be talking about the XFL in depth. Next up on our list, this is kind of more NBA news. This, this, you know, crazy announcement broke the internet, broke Twitter again. Mac McClung, the winner of the slam dunk contest. Now, Mac McClung First of all, I'm gonna give uh, my props to Mac McClung. Congratulations on winning the slam dunk contest. Like, I mean, honestly, congratulations to you. If you guys don't know who Mac McClung is, um, definitely YouTube him because he's big. Um, but if currently he is in the G League right now. He originally he went to school at Georgetown and Texas Tech. I did see him in high school. I remember seeing his you know his dunk highlight tapes on uh, Ball Is Life. I remember he was all over that whenever I was, you know, kind of seeing him. He was fantastic. I believe he was, like, one of the best players in the state of Virginia, or he probably was the best player in Virginia. And he was definitely up there. He went to Georgetown for a couple of years, transferred to Texas Tech, and then I believe after the 2020 year, he decided to go to the NBA draft. He went he went undrafted. He got, he's, he's been all over the place. I believe last season he was with, you know, he was with the Lakers, he was with the Warriors, he was with the Bulls. And now he's back in the G League. I believe last year he won a G League Rookie of the Year. So big, you know. So he's not like a like a low name person. You kind of, if you know, you know who he is. I remember, like I said, I remember seeing him on YouTube and Ball is Life. The crazy dunks he can do. So when I heard that he got invited to the dunk contest, at first I'm thinking, you know, congrats to him. Like if you if you know who Mac McClung is. You're going to see a show. And the crazier part about Mac McClung is that he's not a very, he's not, okay, hold on. He is not very tall compared to other NBA players. He's six foot two. That does, that does seem tall. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, for everyone else in the NBA, that's like six, four to six, eight, you know, it's not very tall compared to like other players in the league. However, he can, he can jump. He can get up to Oh, the rim. If you guys saw the dunk contest, he can pull off these crazy dunks at his height. And I think that's incredible. Now, you know, like I said, he won. And I would be a little bit embarrassed if I was his other, if I was the other competitors, because they got beat out by a G Leaguer. And that's not great. However, I'll get into the dunk contest and the whole thing in a minute here, though. Um, so with Mac McClung winning, I don't think he'll get an NBA contract just because, like I said, his height is kind of the issue. And kind of the way he plays probably won't fit in some NBA team stuff. But I think he should be looked at because, you know, he's not a bad player. He really isn't. He won Rookie of the Year. I believe he averages over 20 points a game in the G League. So I think someone should give him a chance. I know some people were trying to at the end of last year. But I would say maybe give him a chance. Maybe give him a chance. He may not be a starter. He may not be like, you know, this crazy game changer. But at least, you know, give him a shot. See what he can do. I know he said that that's kind of his big goals right now is this is kind of like a you know, not like really such a detour, but like an extra step to get him ready for the NBA. And that was his ultimate goal is make the NBA. But he just made his name known. He just won the dunk contest. Now to move on, I'm going to talk about the dunk contest real quick. Not, not to take away from Mac McClung, congratulations on winning it. You know, he's, you know, he went to Tech. I was, I'm a big fan of Mac McClung. But I'm not a big fan of his, how the dunk contest has turned out. 
I'm not a big fan of what it's become anymore. Because I remember when the dunk contest was like probably one of the most looked forward to events in All-Star Weekend. Obviously, like we've seen some of the craziest dunks performed by people, you know, legendary names of want it, Kobe, Jordan, Vince Carter, all those names, uh, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, you know, we've seen these players put off highlights. But nowadays, we don't see that anymore. We don't see those stars joining the slam dunk contest. A lot of the time, nowadays, it's more of players we never really heard from. And I think that's what's hurting the dunk contest. Because these players don't, you know, these high caliber players, these star-studded names don't want to participate. I believe it was John Morant. He was saying that you put a million likes on whatever, I'll do the dunk contest. He shouldn't have to rely on likes to do the dunk contest. Like, I'm sorry, Ja, but that's not how that works. You should want to do the dunk contest, especially with him saying that, you know, he's one of the most exciting players in the NBA. Every time he tries to dunk the ball, he tries to make it a top 10 play. So I would say put your money where your mouth is. Or maybe if he was uh, healthy, Zion Williamson's another great example. You put him in the dunk contest, I'll sign up and watch. It's just that now... It, it since the dunk contest is slowly and slowly uh, deteriorating over time, it's just not being fun to watch. You know, the only reason why I was excited for it was because of Mac McClung, and like I said, because I've seen what he did on YouTube, I've seen what he did at Texas Tech. I know he could pull off crazy dunks, so he would be perfect for the dunk contest. But other players that are like not well known are doing the dunk contest, and it helps them kind of get their name out there, obviously, and kind of you know, give people, you know, a little bit of more, you know, basketball knowledge on some of the players. But when it's, you know, it's still at the end of the day, they're not like these high praise names, like if John Morant would have done the dunk contest or Zion Williamson would have done the dunk contest. I believe LeBron James has never done a dunk contest in his career at all. And I believe Aaron Gordon said he's never going to do it again because he's been snubbed twice. And it's just, it's kind of crazy to see like how the dunk contest used to be seen as like this glorious event and it was like a it was like, you know, very prestige if you just got invited to do the dunk contest and it was even a higher prestige if you won the dunk contest. Now, I kind of think it's because how the which way the, the game has grown and what it's developed into. The game is now becoming more of a three-point shooting league, which is completely understandable. Obviously, Stephen Curry has changed the game. We've seen more players start to shoot from uh, beyond the three-point line instead of being you know traditionally in the paint. Obviously, a lot more big men are starting to shoot from the three. Kristaps Porzingis is one. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, he was definitely one of the innovators to come in and do it. Larry, you know, Larry Bird back in the day, we saw he can do. And now that the three-point contest is kind of you know taking over the All-Star Weekend, and now so the slam dunk contest is being in its shadow. And it kind of sucks because you used to see like all these exciting plays and these exciting dunks these players used to pull off. Like I remember Blake Griffin dunking over the car. I thought that was incredible. You know, Vince Carter with the rim with his rim in the basket. Vince, you know, getting the name Vince Sanity. It was it was one of the most prolific events. And now it's not really anything anybody talks about. Now, I believe somebody brought this up and asked if Matt McClung saved the dunk contest. I don't think he saved it because of that, I think he made it more interesting because he got brought in and a lot of people, if they know who he is, is going to want to watch. Because that's why I watched the dunk contest because I knew who Mac McClung was. And I was very excited for him to go in. So 
I believe he probably brought more viewers' attention to the dunk contest, especially if you know who he is. I know um, prior to the event, like, Skip and Shannon had no idea who Mac McClung was. I believe uh, Skip knew he went to Texas Tech, and that was about it. They were like, he, and they were even saying, like, he, he's a G, he was in the G League. Like, why are we bringing him in? Like, this is kind of like their point of the dunk contest isn't, you know, as profound anymore. And I agree because these because pl- the players are not are choosing not to do it. And that's what's kind of hurting the event. But now, with Matt, you know, what Matt McClung can do, I think it opens up maybe a couple more doors. I think that if they're going to go this route and none of the NBA players are going to want to do it, bring in a G Leaguer. If he beats out an NBA player, I mean, that makes the NBA player look bad, in my opinion. Because if I was in the dunk contest and Matt McClung, who's not even in the, he's not like in the NBA, NBA, he's in the G League, and he beat me. And keep in mind, he had a great score. I believe he ended the night with a 540, which is very impressive. I think three out of the four rounds, he got a, a flat 50 across the board. I think only one, he got like a 49.4. But he still pulled off more, he still pulled off incredible dunks more, like than the other players. I believe one of them. He pulled out like a 3D printed basketball. I was like, yeah, I mean, but Matt McClung jumped over two people. And he did a 540 spin with for a dunk. So that's just my opinion on it. I think that, you know, if they want the NBA dunk contest to be bigger, these bigger name stars have to take the dunk contest. And that's just what I think. And that's probably going to be the only way you're going to save the dunk contest is if you do something like that. So, you know, congratulations to Matt McClung on being the 2023 dunk, dunk contest champion. And we'll just have to see what they're going to do for next year. All right, next up, some drama. D-R-A-M-A. Drama following, you guessed it, Lamar Jackson. So, Lamar Jackson is still without a home. He has not gotten his contract extension from the Baltimore Ravens. The franchise tag is available, but he's not taking it. Where do we go from here? So, to kind of go off, should Lamar Jackson take the franchise tag? In my opinion, no. He should not. He won an MVP. He's gone to the playoffs. He has elevated the Baltimore Ravens team. And you can just tell with Tyler Huntley and anyone else at that quarterback position, the Ravens aren't the same. And we've seen it, and it's pretty evident. So Lamar Jackson shouldn't get the shouldn't take a franchise tag, in my opinion. He shouldn't. Now, realistically, if I was his agent and he wants more money, but I believe he doesn't have an agent, so I guess that's kind of out the door here. But if he wants to stay in Baltimore, the question is going to be, are you going to play under a franchise tag? Because if you are, we will give you the franchise tag, which I believe the franchise tag is about $40 million or $30 million. It's like somewhere in that range. And, you know, he can get a franchise tag again. He gets $60 million until they work out a long-term deal. But is he willing to play under the franchise tag is the big question in Baltimore. And if he doesn't want to, what should the Baltimore Ravens try to do? And in my opinion, they should trade him if he doesn't want to. But I'll get into that reason in a minute. But what this also is affecting, Lamar Jackson decide, you know, make, trying to make up his mind if he's going to stay or not, it's affecting the other free agents that potential, they are potentially trying to look at. Right now, they need a wide receiver. Because Rashawn Bateman, he seems like he might be a number one, but he's, you know, he got injured, so we're, you know, we haven't gotten enough variables to find that answer out yet. But he does need a playmaker, especially if they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator but a lot of people that the Ravens have been trying to recruit, I'll ask the same question. Is Lamar Jackson going to play next season? Because that'll determine if I'm going to play or not, or if I want to come to the, if I want to come to the, to Baltimore. And that's, and that's what I believe the Ravens organization and Lamar is not realizing that this is not just affecting 
you know, whose wallet is going to hurt and whose wallet is going to get filled, it's hurting a lot more because everyone is wondering, is Lamar going to stay or is he going to go? Because we need to find out in case they need to go tell all these other free agents that we don't have the money for you. Or if maybe free agents want to come, take a hometown discount and play with Lamar. And it's just, it's this problem just going to keep growing and growing. I believe they have until March 7th uh, to, I think I believe, officially give him the franchise tag or in July. It's one of the two. But I know for sure they need to work out a deal soon. Now, if Lamar Jackson does not want to play under the franchise tag, I would think about trading him before he becomes a free agent. Because if you let him walk, you got nothing and someone's going to pay that much money. And one of the worst things that's probably happened is obviously the Deshaun Watson, uh, him getting all that $236 million in guaranteed money after he missed 20-something games because of suspension. He was out for 11 for injury along with sitting out. So... They obviously Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns mismanaged how they handled that situation because now Lamar Jackson wants that kind of money, especially since he's I believe he's better than Deshaun, you know, because he has that athletic ability to escape and run. So you know that's becoming that caused the issue, and now we're at where we're at. So if Baltimore does not want to give him the money, I would look into trading him because at least you're gonna get some good draft capital. You could probably get a good player out of it. And you can see what you want to do for next season. If you want to go try to get a free agent uh, quarterback like Derek Carr, J- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be available. I know him and uh, Shanahan's relationship is over. They are done with each other, and he's going to be gone. So maybe Aaron Rodgers, if you want to try that. I don't think so because he has a pretty good uh, hefty contract with him. But Or if you want to trade him and try to get a, a high first-round pick and get a quarterback in the draft and try again. I mean, the Ravens have options here, but the thing is is that they either have to meet in the middle with Lamar Jackson or just decide, all right, well, we're going to franchise tag you or we're going to trade you before the trade deadline, and then that way whoever wants to pay him the money can pay him the money. And I think that's just, that's probably going to be the most, like, wait, you know, kind of the more responsible way to do it. Uh, That way they don't run into what happened with Deshaun and they don't, you know, give him a lot of guaranteed money and then they end up being stuck with, with, Lamar Jackson, because we have to also keep in mind he has been hurt, so that is a little bit of a concern. That's probably like one of the main things that they're going into negotiations about is that you know, how long can Lamar Jackson last, especially since he's kind of that run, you know, kind of that running mo- mobile quarterback, but he has taken a lot of hits, especially with how Greg Roman ran that offense, you know, very run heavy using his athleticism, and I believe Lamar Jackson missed a total of 11 games, uh, every, you know, the whole time he's been injured, so we can't rule that out also, so I think that's what, like, the Baltimore Ravens are trying to do, they're trying to be careful with how they go about this, so that way they don't give him a lot of guaranteed money, and they end up having a problem later on, so that's pro- that's probably why the Ravens are going that direction, but if they're fully set on maybe not giving him that extension, I would look into trading him because there's probably a lot of teams out there that will give up their weight in gold to get Lamar Jackson. There's a bunch of teams that will probably do it. The Buccaneers probably would do it somehow. And who else would do it? I said the the Raiders could. They just got rid of Derek Carr. And they have, I believe they have like the third biggest cap space in the in the NFL. So they have a possibility. The Commanders just got Eric Bieniemy, so that's another option. I'll get to we'll talk about Eric Bieniemy in a, uh, later in the episode. He's another example, though. The Jets are trying to find a quarterback. They maybe go try to trade for him. 
Carolina maybe. So they there's options that the Ravens have. It's not like they're you know they're dead in the water with no options and they have to pay them. They they have their options of what they can do and they know teams will pay their weight in gold. I'm sure if the Texans really you know really wanted Lamar, they'll probably give him the first round pick and they'll get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So it's not you know it's not out of the question. And I think that's what the Ravens are doing. They are weighing their options. But in my opinion, they should give them the contract. They should give them a contract that's healthy for both of them and figure it out through there. Because Lamar Jackson's earned it. It's not like he was on the bubble of earning his money. He, no, he he's earned his money. Because we saw when he was gone this past season that the Ravens, even though they had a good record to make it, they got eliminated in the first round. And there were some games where they should have won if Lamar Jackson would have played. Or they probably would have gotten real close to probably passing the Bengals if they didn't have to, you know, if they did not have Lamar Jackson present. So that's definitely like kind of the, the you know, the, ca- the, the, ca- the straw that brought the camels back there is that Lamar Jackson has helped that organization. And it's just, it sucks that he's trying to get his money and trying to get, you know, paid. But the Ravens are, you know, a little hesitant. So hopefully they can figure it out soon. I'm sure we're not done talking about this. And I'm sure this is going to be a long road and a long offseason if the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson can't figure it out. Next to talk about, this was one of the biggest shockers that I've heard this week. The Dallas Cowboys interested in quarterback C.J. Stroud. So what do I think of this? Should the Cowboys get C.J. Stroud? No, there is other positions we need to worry about. Besides quarterback, I know what happened with Dak, and I know I'm having my doubts about Dak. I was a big believer in Dak Prescott for a long time until after the season. I, you know, I'm so, I'm slowly losing faith here. But do I think we should get C.J. Stroud? No, I don't, because I know how much it's probably gonna take to get the first round pick in the draft. Because for sure, we're gonna have to probably ship off um, Dak Prescott, but we're probably gonna have to give up our first round pick. So that way they can get something later in the draft. We're probably going to have to either give up CeeDee Lamb or another great, another good player to get the first round pick. And I don't think Jerry Jones is going to do that. I don't think he wants to give up that kind of draft capital for a quarterback that may or may not be good in the NFL. Even though he's a top prospect, we've seen it before. Top prospects in the, uh, in the draft sometimes don't work out in the NFL. So it's a gamble that he's taking. Now, C.J. Stroud... You know, he has potential. We've seen it at Ohio State and what he can do. And, you know, it's pretty evident that he's probably going to be a solid quarterback. However, comma, would I want to give up draft capital to fate to deal with a position that we may deal with? We could deal with maybe later in the draft. There's a lot of good quarterbacks here going in. And, you know, forget about other worries. No, because we I can name two positions right now that we need. First of all, cornerback, because we saw what happened after Anthony Brown got hurt. We were weak at cornerback aside of Trayvon Diggs, and that is my concern, is that if we do not deal with that position right now, we're going to have a problem if Anthony Brown gets hurt again because uh, Bland wasn't that great. Xavier Rhodes only came in towards the end. Kelvin Joseph is not good either. We don't have much quarters to work with that are either on par or at least close to good as Trayvon Diggs is. And that's the problem. And that's what I've been saying has been our biggest problem is that we do not have an extra cornerback to pair with Trayvon Diggs to help solidify that defense. We already have a good, you know, we had a pretty good defense. 
it was our coverage what I was scared of because every time if it wasn't Trayvon Diggs, I was scared we were going to get burned because Kelvin Joseph cannot guard these you know number two wide receivers or if they have to go up against number ones. I believe whenever Kelvin was going up against uh, Terry McLaurin, he was just getting burned. He was getting cooked by him. And that's not the only wide receiver he's been burnt by. And it's getting scary because there's a lot of good wide receivers coming in. You know, there's the Justin Jeffersons of the world. CeeDee Lamb is pretty is pretty good. Luckily, he's on our team. Stefan Diggs and others. So it's it's kind of you know evident that we need that position. Adam Thielen, who's a number two wide receiver, he's still really good. You know, I know Justin Jefferson is there, but Adam Thielen is not a wide receiver to sleep on. So there's you know all these teams have those good uh, duos and trios of wide receivers. And if we do not have the cornerbacks to back it up, we're not going to be a great defense because we keep letting, you know, we keep getting burnt in the passing game. And our front four can only do so much. They can only get to the quarterback just as fast. I know Micah Parsons is a great defensive player. He's border, you know, he's probably the closest thing we've seen to Lawrence Taylor. A lot of analytics have said, but there's only so much he can do. He gets double teamed by offenses. He gets shit by the running back. They are literally trying to make sure he doesn't get to, doesn't hit home. And if our corners cannot, you know, give that time to our front seven to at least go get, you know, go rush the quarterback or give him a hurry or push or something, a sack, we're gonna be in trouble. So definitely cornerback is a concern, and I believe it's a bigger concern than quarterback right now. Another one is wide receiver, because we saw what happened when we only have CeeDee Lamb, and that's it. When T.Y. Hilton came in, he was a little bit of a help. Michael Gallup is not the same uh, Michael Gallup as we saw prior. Noah Brown has had one too many chances, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Tolbert was a receiver we drafted. Obviously, they didn't like what they saw. So... Wide receiver would be another area I would hit on going into the draft or going into free agency because we need another wide receiver. It can't be just CeeDee Lamb all the time. The game is too different. It's We're far beyond you know just having only Des Bryant who can go up and get the ball and we'll be fine. Or we had only Michael Irvin who can go get the ball and we'll be fine. Drew Pearson. You guys get what I mean here. So we're far beyond that. You know, we saw what happened with the Minnesota Vikings, who mostly give the ball to Justin Jefferson. After a while, you're going to figure it out. Just cover Justin Jefferson, rush Kirk Cousins. They can't move the ball. So we have seen this issue before, and we saw it this past season with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, don't get me wrong. It gave CeeDee Lamb a career season, got the Pro Bowl selection. So great for him. But offensively, how does that help? How does that help Dak Prescott? How does it kind of, you know, get the pressure off him? It doesn't because he has to wait for his number one to get open. And if all these defenses are figuring out just to cover CeeDee Lamb, you know, it's only a matter of time before we can't move the ball. And I'm already nervous as it is with Mike McCarthy coming in to coach. So with that in mind, I would rather, rather go get another wide receiver than worry about the quarterback position. Because at least with quarterback, we can go late into the draft and get someone. It's not like the, you know, it's not like just C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are there, and that's it. There's the Tennessee quarterback. Obviously, Max Duggan is there. We there's options aside of those two, and probably the top four, which is going to be Bryce. It more than likely it's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Richardson. Those are probably going to be the top four quarterbacks going into the draft this year. And but we we can make it work, but I think there's more areas to cover than quarterback right now. I think that 
wide receiver and cornerback, not in that order. I would say probably of importance, it's going to be corner and wide receiver are going to be the two positions that we need the most going into next season. Because if we don't, we're in trouble all over again, and we're going to be back to where we were this past season. Yeah, it was a good record, but we did not get to the NFC Championship when we were projected to get there, and we had a chance to get there, and we're not getting there. So I think we should hold off on quarterback for now. We should, because if anything, you know, if anything, we still have Cooper Rush, and we could always uh, draft another quarterback. So keep that in mind, Cowboys fans. We do not need a quarterback right now. No need to hit the panic button. I think if we get another wide receiver, figure out what we're going to do with Tony Pollard, if we're going to give him a contract or what, and then go from there. But for sure, cornerback, I go get in the draft. I think I would take that that Porter kid out of Penn State, and I would have to relook at the wide receiver list, but... I would take one of the top wide receivers coming into the draft or I would go into free agency. I know that there's been talk about maybe Odell coming in. I believe there's been rumors that Trayvon Diggs is going to get Stefan to come because he wants to leave Buffalo. Who knows? But also, I know how Jerry Jones works. He believes in the guys he drafts. But if we want to be realistic and want to possibly contend for a Super Bowl, we got to go get some people in the free agency market because we saw what happened when Amari Cooper came in and we traded for him. He was spectacular. And then when we paired him with C.D. Lamb, we were the best offense in the league. So hopefully we keep that in mind. Or if we are going to go into the draft and try to get our players and our guys, I go get a cornerback or a wide receiver. For sure cornerback. Because I think we can make it work with wide receivers or we can wait to the later rounds or go to free agency for wide receivers. But for right now, I go get a cornerback. All right, so next topic, it's probably the last one for the podcast, is Eric Bieniemy gets signed as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, first of all, congratulations to Eric Bieniemy. He got a coaching job somewhere else other than Kansas City. So I know a lot of people have been kind of rooting for him to get a head coaching job. I believe Andy Reid has even said, why does he not have a head coaching job? I know it's not, but here's some positives about this. The positive about Eric Bieniemy going to Washington is, number one, it's going to help Washington's offense. Number two, it gives him a chance to run the show because back in Kansas City, Andy Reid was the one that called the plays. He was the one that kind of schemed everything, and Eric Bieniemy was there to help. Now we get to see what he can do outside of Big Red in Kansas City, and it's very it's very exciting to see to see what he learned under Andy Reid, and now he's going to bring that to a very very needy uh, Washington Commanders team. And the only issue I really have aside of like I'll get to the coaching thing in a minute is offensively they just need a quarterback. Because Carson Wentz is not the answer. I've been telling everybody that for a couple years. He's not that great. He had one good season and never had a good one again. So he's out. Taylor Heineke, I think he's a great backup. He's you know he's a hard worker. He has that uh, leader room, uh, locker room leadership. He has you know that moxie with the team. He can connect with everybody. He has a great relationship with Terry McLaurin. So I think you keep him. And I believe Sam Howell, the rookie that they drafted last year, is in the works right now. So I think that's their biggest issue is that they need a quarterback because <laughs> kind of listing those three players, you're kind of thinking, uh, I maybe go with another option here. So I think that they should probably do that. And I think that's going to be Eric Bieniemy's first line of business. Get a quarterback, whether it be in the draft or trade for Lamar Jackson, trade for maybe Aaron Rodgers. I highly doubt it, though. You know, get bring Derek Carr in and then trade away whoever you want or release whoever you want and go from there. Now. Some things that are kind of like negatives, though, with Eric Bieniemy, and this is by Shady uh, Lashawn Shady McCoy. He was on speak earlier this week, and it was that he didn't 
do the he did not call the plays because he did play with Kansas City. He won a Super Bowl with Eric Bieniemy, and he said like that was his biggest thing is that he didn't call plays. What happened was Eric, was Andy Reid would tell him the plays, and he was the one that would uh, trans would relate it to Patrick Mahomes, and that's how they did their offense. So that's kind of his big concern. And do I agree with that? I think yes. I would agree that he didn't call plays, but he was there and he was able to learn under Andy Reid and he had, you know, they had great success. And if Andy Reid is vouching for Eric Bieniemy, then I think that they should be okay. I think that it's probably going to take a little bit for that train to roll. It's not going to be this unstoppable Kansas City offense like they had like they had there this past year. They don't have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. They don't have a Tyreek Hill. They are going to have to work with what they got. And I think Eric Bieniemy knows that. So kind of going about this, Eric Bieniemy knows it's a clean slate. And now he's going to show that why, first of all, he should have been a head coach and why he deserves it. Now, do I think this is a gamble? I do. Because only negatives can come from here if everything fails. Because if Eric Bieniemy and that offense doesn't grow within his tenure there, Everyone's gonna say that he should have not been the head coach then, because if he could not elevate that Washington offense, then they, he should not be a head coach. And that's where my kind of my fear is for Eric Bieniemy is that if he does not do well, that he's never he's probably never gonna see that head coaching job because there has been a lot of coaches that have gotten head coaching jobs before him. Matt Nagy was a, was definitely one, and we saw what happened with him. So. That's kind of like my my biggest concern with Eric Bieniemy, and this why I think this is actually a big gamble because he's either in win or lose mode here. If he if he you know if this works out and it's successful, he just won the millions. He won the big lot there in Vegas. But if he loses, he lost everything and his mortgage to his house along with the car payment and probably his plane ticket home. So that's going to be the big issue with Eric Bieniemy, and I think it's going to be very hard him to probably get another job again because i'm especially just kind of how the nfl kind of works and what we've seen you know prior to it the whole racial thing i'm not going to really get into it right now but as i said it's, it's taking him this long to get a job somewhere else i know he was interviewing for other places and they didn't give it to him but i think that if this doesn't work out he's probably never going to see that head coaching job ever and there have been coaches that you know did not deserve to have one got one before he did so this is a gamble for Eric Bieniemy, and hopefully it works out for him, man. Because he, you know, he's earned it. He's worked hard. He, you know, took a lot of time under Andy Reid to, you know, kind of learn, and now he gets to do it on his own. And I think that's another thing that Shady McCoy was saying is that he doesn't have Big Red. He doesn't. He doesn't have Andy Reid. He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have Isaiah Pacheco. He doesn't have this, you know, just this great offensive mind. It's all him now. And I think that's not more of a weakness, though. I think it's more exciting because now we get to see what he took from Andy Reid and what he can do and mix it together and hopefully, you know, help that help the commander's team, you know, elevate their offense, who was very poor this past season. So that's very exciting to watch. Commanders fans, I'm happy for you guys getting a competent offensive coordinator. And also a big thing, though, if Eric Bieniemy does well and they still don't have a good season. He's the assistant head coach. So if Ron Rivera gets the boot, guess who's head coach? 
Eric Bieniemy. So this is a situation kind of made up in heaven for Eric Bieniemy because in case Ron Rivera steps down or he gets fired, he can always come in and now he has the head coaching job. But like I said, it's a gamble. Either this job can help him get that head coaching job, get him to win the millions at you know at the slots, or he loses everything along with his plane, uh, his plane ticket, his car payment, the mortgage, and what and probably his uh, false gold teeth if he has any. So that's going to be the big thing going you know going about this this upcoming season. And it's going to be definitely an interesting to keep an eye on. Now. I don't think they're going to win the East. They're not going to win the NFC East because they still have Philadelphia, who I don't know how they're going to do, uh, go about their coordinating uh, their coordinating problem. The Dallas Cowboys are still there. The Giants are you know, kind of up and coming. So we'll have to wait and see. By the way, I apologize. That is not the last topic I want to get into today. I got one more thing to talk about. Daniel Jones. Oh, my God, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones asking for $45 million in contract money from the New York Giants. My first thought was, this has to be a joke. I really hope this is a joke. Because Daniel Jones has not earned $45 million. He maybe earned $20 million, maybe like two extra years. He has not earned that money. He's not the reason why the Giants are, went, to the, went to the playoffs this past year. He wasn't. It was Saquon Barkley. It just, it was. Now, I know Giants fans and maybe some other people are going to say, hold on, he didn't have any good wide receivers. Well, I'm sorry, but... You you know you can make it work if you if you're the real deal. He was a high round pick. I believe he was a first round pick. You know he he should be technically worth the money and worth the pick, and he can make it work. And Saquon Barkley, as I said this past season, there he's gonna carry the Giants. If anyone deserves forty five million dollars a year, it's Saquon Barkley. He's the one that deserves the money, not Daniel Jones. He no, I don't agree with that. And I really hope that was a joke because that's very outrageous. I would never pay Daniel Jones that kind of money ever in my life. As I said, maybe Saquon will get the $45 million a year because he definitely earned it. He should have won comeback player of the year in my opinion. And that's kind of how that works. You earn the money just because you're quarterback and I know the market is crazy thanks to the cleveland browns mishandling deshaun watson but you gotta earn your money i know like deck is a, an example of well he got his money and he hasn't been that great whatever whatever but i would still pick Dak prescott over daniel jones because if i take away you know ezekiel elliott tony pollard Dak at least gives me a shot to win the game i take away saquon barkley from daniel jones no chance they're not gonna win and we saw what happened when they didn't have saquon barkley they're one of the worst teams in the nfl so this isn't something, you know, this really shouldn't be up for debate if Daniel Jones should get $45 million. He just shouldn't, in my opinion. He has not earned it. Maybe 20 mil for an extra two years if they want to keep him and kind of see what uh, see what they have and go from there. Then they really need to fix their wide receiver situation over there too. And go, you know, go about it like that route. But $45 million, I really hope he was kidding because, and that was just a joke because he is not getting $45 million. Doesn't matter what the market is for quarterbacks. I would rather have him walk in free agency and sign Derek Carr and give him money. I'd rather trade a lot of draft capital to go get Lamar Jackson over Daniel Jones. I would, you know, give up draft capital to possibly go get another for, to go get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. That's how much I'd rather go with anybody else, but Daniel Jones. So, hope, like I said, hopefully that was a joke. If not, that no, you're you're not getting forty five million dollars, buddy. I'm sorry, Saquon will, but you will not. 
But already, everybody, that will wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Remember, I am on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. If you are listening to this, it will be on YouTube along with Amazon and Spotify. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.